only eat in one room in the house, eat in your kitchen. So if you start to eat in your bedroom, then you start to blur these boundaries between sleep and food. Hi, I'm Maria, otherwise known as the Fit Foodie. I'm a chef, holistic nutritionist, author, inventor, and mom. And I want to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Recipes for Your Best Life. And with every episode, I'm peeling back the onion on fitness, nutrition, health, wellness, and family. The truth is, you're the chef of your life. And for every important pillar, there's a great recipe worth sharing. So every week, we'll explore them together. Think of it as food for thought that you can really sink your teeth into. So join me and let's squeeze the joy out of this life because you only get one. Can I get a fork? Yeah. I think we can all agree life's way too short for boring food, right? It deserves to be filled with fresh, flavorful, mouthwatering dishes that you and your family are excited to share together. And guess what? Now it's so easy to broaden your cooking skills and try out fun recipes. And here's the best part. You don't need a bunch of fancy appliances to do it. With Panasonic's Home Chef 4-in-1 Multi-Oven, you can, get this, heat, fry, bake, and broil your way to foodie heaven. Yep, it's a microwave, broiler, air fryer, and convection oven all wrapped up into one appliance, so smart. So whether you're trying out a new food trend or your grandma's kind of complicated recipe or maybe a fusion dish you've been dying to try or maybe one of my dishes from my book, this multi-oven makes your cooking experience a really enjoyable one. So start thinking of all those recipes and dishes you've been dying to try out. Now's the time because this multi-oven makes even the most complicated recipes super simple. I love super simple. It's the four-in-one that inspires your inner chef to try daring new dishes with confidence. So to receive special offers, head over to panasoniccitchen.com and become a Panasonic Kitchen Insider. Tana, it's so good to see your face. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me again. I wish we could be in the same room, but I will take this any day. <laughs> for sure. So um, thank you for making time for us today. I know you have a lot of exciting things on your plate, and we're going to get to that in just a little bit. But I, I just want to know, how are you doing? How are you and Dr. Amen doing through all of this? It's been such a roller coaster ride. Well, I have to say, this is one time especially that I'm super grateful that I'm married to my best friend. Because <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, it's been a year, right? I think it's been a year for all of us. Yes. Um, it's it's been hectic, and and we we hear this story over and over because you know at Amen Clinics, that's what we do with our mental health clinics, and. You know, it's sad to say that this is the reason, but we're busier than ever. Depression is tripled and anxiety is through the roof. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're experiencing that, fortunately, not so much personally, but in our house, we've got three teenagers and teens are really struggling. And when your yeah. teens struggle, it disrupts your household. Oh, amen um, on that. I, I'm feeling you, sister. It's been yeah. really, really, I mean, and it's not just tough because you can empathize with them. You can 
it's one thing to be like, I've been through that. I know what you're feeling. We really don't know. And we hard to have the coping tools for ourselves, let alone our kids, to be able to help them. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because the one thing I'm like, well, we haven't been through this and I've been very honest with the kids. I'm like, look, this is unprecedented. You guys are going to talk about this to your, to your kids. And so I, we have been strongly encouraging them to journal through this whole process. I'm like, people are going oh, to write about idea. for centuries. This is going to be written about. So yeah. you need to be writing about it everything you feel, everything you think, everything you're experiencing, all the frustration, how people are acting, it's really important and it will help you process it. But, but the interesting thing is I really do believe that if you're okay, your kids are more likely to be okay. Mm. And I learned that as a nurse, so I'm a trauma nurse, right? So I, I really have a lot of empathy for the first responders, the people in the hospitals dealing with this right now, um, because it's this really stressful time. But dealing with infectious disease, this one is like, you know, uncharted, we just don't know anything about it, but it's not new to us, right? Mm. So as, as a trauma nurse, I'd be working on patient, I'd have that same patient for two days in a row, I'd come in on the third day, patients in isolation. And I'm like, why is that patient in isolation? They're like, you need to wear a mask, a gown, gloves, don't go in there without everything, you know, without having your gear on. And I'm like, uh, why? Well, because they've got MRSA or they've got VERSA or they've got necrotizing fasciitis, all these flesh-eating bacterial diseases or, or things that are resistant to antibiotics. And I'm like, you're kidding, because I've been touching that patient for two days now. Wow. So not, this isn't new to us, yeah. this idea of dealing with infectious disease and having to be careful if you're in the medical field. So I felt pretty confident with that. And I knew that if I was okay, the kids were more likely to be okay. So I, I sort of, even when I wasn't sure, I'd have this attitude of, I've got this. Because as a nurse, you have to do that. Yes. If you have the attitude of, I've got this, you're going to see total pandemonium chaos and families screaming their heads off, um, which they frequently did in our unit because yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, yeah. they're looking to you as a healthcare professional in our homes. Our, our family really is looking to us as the rock and they're responding to our emotions. So, you know, as we have been through this now, we're in month, what, eight, eight and a half. Um, and they're talking, you know, this whole idea of the second wave of the pandemic really yeah. being related to mental health. We just had World Mental Health Awareness Day. And I feel like now more than ever, we have to be so in tune to this. How have you and Dr. Amen and, and the Amen Clinics really responded to this also unprecedented wave of need from people who just, you know, maybe they had never even thought they had an issue, but now they're coming to you and saying, I need help. Yeah, it's been unprecedented. Like you said, we're, we're busier than ever. Depression has tripled. Um, suicide with young people is through the roof. And, and so fortunately we have an outstanding team. I mean, we have a team that just rallied. So they're seeing people by Zoom when they can, and people who are really, really fragile and delicate, they're seeing in person. Mm -hmm. So we've never had to shut down. So that's been really good. On a personal level, um, I'm really grateful that my husband and I work really well together under stress and really stressful times. I've, and you know this about me, I've adopted the warrior mindset a long time ago, but there's a reason for that. The reason for that for me is because, you know, if you believe in coincidence, which I don't, um, I, I think it's divine you know, intervention, mm. if you will, um, it was divinely appointed. I, I adopted the warrior mindset with intention because of how fragile I was at one point. I grew up with chaos. I grew up with trauma. I grew up with drama and addiction and mental illness. 
and so much uncertainty in my life as a child that I, I was so, I became so depressed. So as a child, there was just, it was crazy. I thought that, you know, I was looking, always looking for the next bad thing to happen. My uncle was murdered when I was four. I was molested when I was 12. Um, I was physically attacked walking to high school when I was 15. It just seemed crazy. It was just crazy. And then at 23, I got cancer. And after that happened, I literally just lost it. That, That was sort of the breaking point for me. I went into a very deep depression and kept wishing I would die. And so between all the family chaos and then my own personal stuff, and oh, by the way, as a teenager, because of all the craziness, I started secretly suffering with an eating disorder that I didn't talk about. I couldn't even say the word. Mm. couldn't tell people. And I just started painting this facade that just be perfect, wear perfect makeup, wear perfect clothes. No one will notice. And so I learned to control it with with, um, exercise. So I wasn't doing as much damage to my body as I otherwise would have been but it never really went away. And then in my twenties, when I got super depressed, I just wanted to die. So at that point, fortunately I didn't, I didn't commit suicide. I wasn't right because my mother instilled so much guilt into my head Mm. um, that I was like, Oh, if I, if I kill myself, my mother will die. And then she's going to beat guilt into me into the afterlife. So somehow (laughs) that kept me from, from doing that because I was still able to, not everybody can do that. And and I'm aware of that, but I did pray that a truck would hit me and it wouldn't be my fault. I used to pray every day that something would happen. My heart hurts hearing you. And I thank God that you're still here because you are a gift to the world. But I think that this is really important for the parents out there and for individuals who are feeling helpless, who are feeling like because of the unknown, they are having a hard time grounding. And we're going to talk about some coping mechanisms. I think this is really important that you are important, that you have a place in this world, that your children have a place in this world, and that maybe never before do we need to be a little bit more gracious to ourselves and a little easier and maybe like loosen the reins a little bit, which I know you and I talked about how we've done that. Maybe you can share a little bit about how you've done that in your own household. Yeah. So, um, so again, just to finish that thought about the warrior. So when I, after that happened and I really developed that warrior mindset, I started to really think about what is it with warriors? I picked that because I was so weak. Mm. Warriors, train in advance. They think um, they're always training. You don't show up on fight day to, to start training. They're always prepared, aware, armed. And so that was really important. And now moving forward into this time when we're so uncertain, those same principles really helped me. But having trained that way, which saved me when I was weak, is what sort of set me up to be able to do this now. So I strongly recommend that people start thinking of a metaphor and a mindset and a framework that works for them to really help them. That is one of the strategies that we use. Um, the other thing is you mentioned loosening the reins. Yes. Having grace. We actually have a rule in our house. Um, when COVID started, we decided that we were going to, um, we sat the kids down and we're like, this is going to be hard. We're all in the house. We've never done this before. We're not leaving. So it's going to get tricky. People are going to go through all sorts of weird things. We knew that. I mean, I'm married to a psychiatrist. I'm a nurse. We knew that was going to happen. You know, the kids got wonky right out of the gate and we're like, so this is the rule everybody gets at least one tantrum a week. Now, more than that, we need to talk about it, but we're going to have grace. We're going to have grace with ourselves. We're going to have grace with each other. Mm. And that's what we're going to do. And, you know, God gives us grace. We're going to give each other grace. And this time more than ever, we just need to be curious, not furious. 
Mm. Let's be curious. Let's wrap around. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, Let's wrap around each other and be each other's support system. So, you know, a rising tide floats all boats. So let's really help each other rise out of this. And I felt like that's what I was missing growing up. Um, When you grew up in a chaotic environment, you don't have that. And I knew I wanted to create that for my daughter. So um, I think I told you I wrote a book. And so again, coincidental or not, I had written just, just finished my book right before quarantine started. And it's all about overcoming anxiety, trauma, and grief. So yeah, it brought up some old stuff for me. Yeah. But it also was, it gave me the ability to empathize because it was from my childhood to empathize and help the kids um, to really like, oh yeah, I remember what it's like to go through hard times, not this kind of hard time, but a hard time. And so really sort of like put myself in their shoes because I had just got done writing about my teenage years and, you know, what I had gone through. And I think being able to empathize and put yourself in the shoes of, of whoever you're dealing with is really helpful. I, I think that the timing of your new book could not be better. Um, And the fact that you started uh, writing it before this is probably a huge blessing to you and to your family and and everybody that's going to read it. Um, Tana's new book is called The Relentless Courage of a Scared Child, How Persistence, Grit, and Faith Created a Reluctant Healer. I think your subtitle is very, very, it's like a reluctant healer. Why reluctant? Why do we think, and I'm laughing because I, I think we have in ourselves the tools, but oftentimes we choose the path of more resistance because there's something about wallowing that just feels good. You know, there's something about like, I know how to make myself, I know what I should be eating. I know I should be exercising. I know I shouldn't, you know, just isolate myself but I do. (laughs) So why do we do that? Why are we reluctant healers? And what did you find in your journey, which is so tremendous that you came out of it the way you did, that was like an aha, like, yeah, this is what I was doing. So there were a lot of ahas. Um, So the the book is pretty gritty. Um, I will, I will admit that even though it's supposed to be the PG 13 family friendly version, it's still pretty gritty um, because it's just, it's real life. And I didn't want to lie. I figured if I'm going to write this, there's a lot of stuff I left out because it wasn't necessary for the story of overcoming. So I didn't write the grittiest stuff necessarily, but it's still, it's still gritty. Um, But reluctant healer came from when things for anybody watching right now, who grew up in a lot of chaos, who grew up with a lot of trauma, whose family was pretty crazy. I always say my, you know, Jerry Springer had nothing on my family. So it, it, just, it just, that show had nothing on my family. Um, addiction, mental illness, chaos, just violence, police being called, just craziness. Wow. Um, overall craziness. And so I disconnected and, and I disconnected from them completely to save myself. I was like, mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. I love you guys, need to love you from a distance. Bye-bye. And so other than my mother, who's, she's, she's just sort of a kick butt kind of person, um, she had her own issues, but she's pretty awesome. And she, I didn't disconnect from her. Everyone else I walked away from. Mm. And then fast forward, now I've got my life pretty much together. And I pulled myself out by the grace of God and a lot of hard work. Um, now they all start showing up. Mm. Now I have the financial capability. I'm now strong. I've now figured out how to take care of myself and my family. And they all want help. And mm. I'm like, no, not mm. my monkey, not my circus. <laughs> so. 
I'm not doing it. Only God had a different plan. And I kept arguing with God. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. It's not my problem. Why is this my problem? And I, I really wrestled with God and argued and I, and I can be a really good arguer. But then I realized something, and I love this quote, if you win an argument with God, you lose. If you lose an argument with God, you win. And I was put in this situation over and over and over. And fortunately, God warmed me up a little bit when I worked with the addicts at the Salvation Army, um, 180 addicts for two years. And I didn't want to do it. I was so judgmental. I'm like, I will fix the menu. I'm not working with the people. Mm. And I didn't realize how judgmental I was until I was put into that situation. But I ended up doing it and it ended up being the most rewarding thing that I've ever done um, in business mm. because I learned so much and I learned so much about myself. I learned how much baggage I was carrying. And in the end of it, they were all so grateful for the help I had given them that it was me that got the healing. Mm. And that was a good lesson for me over and over and over with my dad, with my sister, with different people in my family. I would argue with God. He would have this reason that I would find myself in the situation anyways, because he always wins. And then at the end, I'd be like, why did I argue? I mean, the mm. help was for them, yes, but the healing was for me and it was yeah. so powerful. So that's the reluctance part. And I agree with you. We can apply that to ourselves. We know what to do. We don't do it. We argue, but you know darn well that you are going to be better for your kids, better for your mission, turn your pain into purpose if you're healthy. And yet mm. we argue about it. Mm. I, I think the fact that you were able to take the hurt and actually heal with what you've learned is a huge gift. And I think a lot of people do, um, they, they leave a lot on the table when they walk away from what they're able to do. And, you know, I think I have, uh, and I'll share something really personal, you know, my ex-husband um, is an addict and that's why uh, our marriage fell apart. And the collateral damage of that was my kids. You know, they grew up without a father. They grew up um, very much not understanding what a man's role in their lives was. And I see every day how hard that is, but I also see a huge maturity, especially in my daughter, of having grace on him and speaking to him and being part of his therapy to wellness, even when I want to jump in and be like, it's not your problem because I want to protect her. You know, I don't want her to be upset by that process, but in reality, it's kind of not my place. It's kind of her place to decide if that's important for her healing. She's an adult now. So I, I have a lot of respect for that. And, uh, I think people are going to learn a lot from your book, whether they've gone through a certain situation or not, just how you take what has been dished up to you and you either turn it into uh, you know, a disaster or you, you turn it into a gift. What do you think drives you every day? I mean, I know your warrior mindset is really, and we, uh, I will post a link to the our last podcast episode, which was too, too long ago, but it was a really good one talking about your warrior mindset and really eating to be a warrior, thinking to be a warrior, the whole, you know, how you become a warrior in your everyday. But do you think that you've instilled now that warrior mindset in your daughter and your family? And how do you see that manifesting in, in their everyday lives? Yeah, in spades in my daughter. So, you know, I, I often say my mother, her grit became my grit. She was a 16-year-old runaway who never finished high school. 
and mm. she hired an extremely wealthy woman. I, she's incredible. Now there were a lot of challenges along with that, being a 16 year old one away, um, not being, having an education, having no financial start and raising me as a single mother. Yeah, there were a lot of challenges that went along with that. So make no mistake about it. I don't recommend it. Um, but most people would have caved to that pressure. They would have just caved. They cave into the addiction. They cave into, you know, so many obstacles put in their way. My mom absolutely did not. She rose to the challenge. It's almost like the more people told her no, the more she was going to figure out how to break it. fuel. Yeah. It's just crazy. And so that grit eventually became my grit. And not, you know, initially it was hard, but once I learned how to find my voice and find my strength, um, that grit became my grit. My daughter is, I think, stronger than both of us. Mm. It's pretty incredible. So she's got her challenges, but she's very strong. So yes, I agree with you that that's what we do. And you said something early in in, in your comment a, a minute ago that I want to address for anybody, because I just think it's really important. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say I was so depressed that I thought I was wasting oxygen on the planet. There was no purpose for me to be living. I didn't even know if there was a God. And if there was, he didn't love me. So I was just like, I, it doesn't even matter. I'm just, there's not one purpose for me to be here. So somehow by the grace of God, he did not let me give into that self-pity and he pulled me through. Um, here's what I could not have known at that worst time in my life. And I'm not going to lie to you. It took some work, but it was so worth it because there's no possible way I could have known back then that that pain that I went through, I don't think God caused it. I'm not one of those people. It's like, why would God make yes. this? I don't think God makes those things happen. I do think he used it. He allowed me to use it to turn it around. Um, there's no way I could have known that that pain I was going through would be my platform, would be the thing I use today to help people. That The joy that I get, the, the pure juice that I get out of life yeah. for helping people. I couldn't have known what people are going through if I hadn't been through that. Now, I'm not saying I want you to go through that. I'm saying whatever the pain is in your life, when you feel hopeless or helpless or just out of control, I promise you, you don't know what tomorrow is bringing. Just mm. hang tight, figure out, talk to someone, get the tools, because using that pain to purpose could be the most, just the most joy you ever get out of life. Yeah, I think I think this is so um, important for people that are watching to or listening to really tune into and, um, you know, connect with people. We may not be seeing people in person as much, but there are resources. You can call people. Um, you can make an appointment with the Amen Clinic. You can reach out to a friend, use social media for the good that it can be. Um, you know, and, and pray. I, I, I believe so much that God answers prayers, especially when we're at our weakest. But, you know, let's, let's really, I, I really wanted to talk to you because I'm kind of, this is going to sound bad, but I'm, I'm kind of tired of people painting this really rosy picture right now. <laughs> and, you know, I, Let's, let's be real, you know, this ish is getting crazy and crazy. we don't know what's coming next. And if people think things are going to go back to normal or whatever this new normal is, we're in an election year, it's hectic, people are mad, there's social injustice, there's racial injustice, there's all kinds of stuff that is pissing people off to the point where we can't even like function as normal 
calm human beings. Have you ever wondered, is rinsing my produce with the water that comes out of the sink that I don't even drink enough to really clean it? Well, then you're one of the smartest people I know because you're absolutely right. It's not enough. That's why we created the only all-natural and patented line of food wash and wipes, and it's called Eat Cleaner. It's tasteless, odorless, and lab-tested, and it removes up to 99.9% of the residue that water can't, including pesticides, wax, soil, and junk that can carry bacteria that can really make you sick. Plus, we formulated it to help extend the shelf life of your fresh produce too, and that'll save you money. When your berries are lasting up to 10, 12 days, you know that's a good thing. It helps your produce last up to five times longer using a natural blend of fruit acids and antioxidants. So there's no chemicals, it's just clean eating fun. And this can help save your family an average of over $500 per year. Make it easy on yourself, reduce waste, and get that fruit and veggies into your body where it's gonna do you a lot of good and not in the trash. Check us out eatcleaner.com or head to our Amazon store at amazon.com forward slash eatcleaner. What do you do? To, can you just give us some coping mechanisms? Uh-huh. Your top five coping mechanisms to just get through it um, because we need just some practical stuff every day to like one, two, three, four, five. This is what I need to do. Yep. So I'm going to be really honest. Even with all the strategies I have, there was a point where I was just so angry. Um, every time I would turn on the news, I would just get so angry and I'd be screaming at the TV and my husband's like, uh, who are you and what do you do with my life? I mean, we are in unprecedented yeah. times, right? And then I think these are the times, again, that warrior mindset, these are the times we have to really be disciplined to use the strategies we know. And so I, it was hard, but I had to do it because here's the truth. If I'm sitting in my backyard, drinking green tea and watching the hummingbirds, there's not a whole lot wrong in the world. If I'm praying, there's not a whole lot wrong in the world. It's when I buy into it and give into the drama that by the way, the politicians want you to give into. I don't care what side of the fence you are on. News is designed, they don't get sponsors if they don't keep you hooked. (laughs) You are, and we are as humans are hardwired to notice what's wrong, not notice what's right out of survival. Yes. So if they can constantly play what's wrong, you get angry, you keep watching because you're scared. So that's just a fact. And I'm angry at both sides. I'm super angry at both sides because they have zero regard for what it's doing to the American people, for what it's doing to us emotionally, mentally, what it's doing for our, our health. And when I really realize that I'm like, I refuse. I will go online, grab the headlines, make sure that there's, I need, don't need to go get more toilet paper. Has right. that. But anyways, right. Right. I'll, I'll make sure I know that I know what I need to know to protect my family. Other than that, I'm not listening to the nonsense. So I shut the TV off. I called one of my dear friends who is what, who I, someone I consider a spiritual mentor. She's just very, you know, grounded spiritually. And I'm like, I need help. Mm. I need it's it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. And she's like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Every day we are going to start the morning by sending each other. We always tell people to like 
say one thing or list three things that you're grateful for. It's a whole different thing when you have to text somebody and you're accountable. Mm, I love that. I would read her gratitude list and then she would read mine. And I just, all of a sudden I felt uplifted. Then I took it another step further. For me, church really helps me. Everyone's got their thing. Your social circle matters because you become like the people you hang out with. Right now people aren't doing, they're not hanging out with people. So who are they hanging out with? They're hanging out with the news. Okay, well you're becoming like the people you hang out with. So turn the news off. I can't go to church where I normally get fed and keep my, I'm pretty feisty. So if I'm not going to a place where I'm hanging out with people who are pretty grounded, I can get really feisty really fast. So instead what I did is I reached out to another group of friends and we started a prayer group on Mm. Zoom. Social media can be used for positive or negative. Yeah. Those are just a couple things that we've done. Um, But for me, shutting off the news was the number one most important thing I did. Yeah. It just is. I am so with you on that. I have a a Tuesday uh, prayer group and it's the thing that I anticipate the most. I plan my schedule around it. And, you know, just being with other women who um, want what's best for each other and we pray for each other. It's like the most uplifting thing. And I come out of there and I always call my daughter and I'm like, you know, I just, I feel so much better. And the thing I love about that is that it's not like you're wearing rose tinted glasses. When you have a group of people that you are praying with, you're bringing your problem and you're asking for help and then everyone's focusing on you and they're praying for you, but it takes you out of the negative mindset and puts you in this empowering mindset. Definitely. And so it's just- And you hear other people's things going on too. So it's like this idea that we we are just isolated you know, and our problems are the worst. No, I mean, we, we share some pretty heavy stuff. So I think being honest with that and not trying to paint this rose colored glasses existence is important, you yeah. know, cause you can't get healing if you're just always stoic. Totally agree. So, um, yeah, no, so those are a few things that have really helped with us for my daughter. She did take up the advice of, um, journaling. She started doing yoga at home and spending time praying and meditating, and that pulled her out of her depression. That's so, awesome. How, how about exercise? Can we talk a little bit about exercise? Do you, do, because I got a little bit worried because I was hearing about friends who weren't leaving their homes at all, not to go outside, period. And I think that just from a health perspective, it's really important to be able to get some natural you know, sunshine and air. What is your feeling on exercise or movement for people right now? it's just as critical as it's always been. It hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is people aren't doing it. So, um, so for me, yeah, I, my, my desires and my wants are probably different than the average person, maybe just because of what I've been or the average female, because of what I've been through buying purses really doesn't matter to me. Buying It matters to me. Yeah. I'm with you on that. (laughs) So eating healthy. And so when I, when I got pregnant with my daughter, I started a small gym and over the years, birthdays and Christmas, I've always asked for more equipment. And so I bought a gym at home and I did that years ago. And it was the most important thing I ever did for myself. I couldn't have anticipated this was going to happen, but, and there's days when you're in the house, I didn't want to exercise. I didn't do it because I wanted to. I did it because I know me for me, exercise is medicine. I, I figured that out as a teenager when I developed an eating disorder, I figured out that if I disciplined myself to go exercise in the mornings, I didn't have the desire to, to, harm my body with the eating disorder behavior. 
So if I, it was like a literally because it increases serotonin, dopamine, and endorphins. I was going to say it's so important for your, your, your happy hormones, which I, I just put out a little free download, um, called happy hormones, because I feel like, you know, we, we've got to train ourselves to actually create good, positive hormones for ourselves. And when we're sad and in this rut, our ability to lower cortisol and increase dopamine and, and really feel happy becomes at a standstill, you know? I know. I agree hundred percent. So I think it's more important than ever. And it's so funny. So people, not everybody has a gym or whatever. My husband, he drives the kids crazy because he does it early in the morning, but he does his um, meetings <laughs> walking, pacing our house. He literally does laps around our house, up and down the stairs, up and down the hallways, <laughs> the kids rooms, talking really loud. <laughs> They're like, we don't have to go to school. We get to sleep in. Why are you waking us up? But that's how important when it was raining outside, when it was not, I mean, he'll go outside and do it if it's nice, but it rained a lot this year. So he's just in the house doing his laps. He's like, I am not going to sit still. I can't see Dr. Amen sitting still for very long. (laughs) Either one of us do well sitting still. Um, So movement, whether it's walk, I heard a lot of people saying they started walking more and actually seeing things. People were documenting like flowers. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Um, I joined a rowing gym and it's really cool because we row outside. I've seen those. I've seen them. We were in Austin. We have a new clinic opening up in Dallas. And so we were, we drove around Texas and went to Austin and I saw these rowing clubs outside. I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've seen. So cool. I absolutely am addicted to it. It my butt every time. Um, And I just feel so much better and it's social, but social distanced. So it's like, you can still get outside. Exactly. Exactly. Which I love. So find the thing that you love. What about food? Can we talk a little bit about yeah. so the, and that's been tricky um so even for us so when when quarantine first happened i was out of town two days before the lockdown came in in where i live um i saw things going wonky my husband was about to get on a plane it was it was the day that the nba went we're not playing basketball anymore we're shutting down for the season that was the first really big aha like mm. whoa this is way bigger than we thought yeah and the nba just shut down i was like what um, so I kept telling my husband, I think this is serious. And he'd been traveling for a new book he had. And he, um, it was really interesting. He was getting on a plane to go to New York. He was on a television show and they called him. I'm like, if you go to New York, you're going to have to sleep in the spare room for two weeks. I think this is getting serious. And he's like, it's going to be fine. And so they, they called him while I was at the airport and said, New York is shut down. Mm-hmm. We're not. And so mm-hmm. I was so grateful, but it was two days before we shut down where I was. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the store. By the time I got to the store, everything was gone. Cleared out. It was, it was like Armageddon. I know. Now, fortunately for me, I'm a prepper. So (laughs) I finally was validated and vindicated (laughs) because my husband's always gotten on my case for, you know, like I, I'm one of those people who's prepared for a natural disaster. And I have been doing that for years, but I really didn't want to eat like, you know, um, freeze dried food. So we couldn't get our normal food. So I found myself in this predicament. I'm like, you know, I'm just grateful that we can get food, but I I don't normally eat rice and bread and pasta and potato. I just don't eat that stuff. But I found myself out of necessity initially, like buying whatever I could and just being grateful for it. Um, And within a short time, I wasn't feeling like myself. Like I was just feeling a little more lethargic and a little more pain in my joints. 
Um, I also started to relax the rules because I'm like, the kids have had everything taken away from them. I've got these three teenager, teenagers stuck in the house. I just don't have the energy to fight with them. Mm -hmm. So, but then I started noticing that they were stashing candy in their rooms. I'm like, no, that's going too far. Like you're now you're, you're hoarding like junk. Food. That's not okay. Yeah. Um, but within a short time, they were grumpy. I was grumpy. I was tired. I wasn't feeling well. And so food matters. And I realized that. So as soon as things went back to normal a little bit in the stores and we could get food, I'm like, I'm not doing this. And so I stocked up the freezer with some healthy stuff and, you know, fresh veggies kept disappearing. So I would just freeze stuff. Um, as soon as I went back to eating my normal way, which is about 70 to 80% plants, some high quality protein and very much high fat, but, mm. but good fat. Yeah. All nuts, seeds, avocado, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff, but very high fat. I immediately started to feel better. Yeah. You, that's how I eat. Um, and I, I feel the same now I, right now I have found though, like, cause we have three teenage boys in the house. They eat very differently. And I think when you come to terms with just the idea that their bodies need different things and they're not going to always eat what I make. Right. I kind of, it gave me a little bit of calm because I was fighting. I was just like, look, I'm making one meal. Fighting. You either eat or you don't. And, and on some days it's like that, but I do think that stocking a freezer with at least healthier options with things I might not eat, but at least they can yeah. make it for themselves has yeah. saved me. Um, and it's taken some, you know, retraining, but I think it's really important yeah. for everybody that's listening to know you are not going to please everybody all the time, especially when they have no freedom to just go out and grab something like maybe they used to. So I love one thing you said. And so that's one of the strategies that I actually used myself, um, something similar. So I started stocking up all kinds of healthy stuff and and I loosened up, I, you know, normally you wouldn't even find rice in my house. I mean, that's, we're, we're kind of at that level of, you know, like no grains. I'm like, all right, well, this is silly. So, I mean, I put some healthy options in here, some, you know, some peanut butter and stuff like that, that I wouldn't normally have. And I'm like, I'm just going to let the, they have to make it if they want it. Um, I'm not making it, but I stocked up on what I could get from the store. And then what I did was I had a talk with them and I'm like, the stashing candy in your rooms is not going to work. Like you can't, stockpile and hoard junk food in your rooms. So there's potato, yeah. like that's not happening. But they're also teenagers. My daughter yeah. has her own money. She's been working since she was 12. A little hard for me to tell her what she can and can't buy when she has been buying her own clothes since she was 13. Mm. So, um, and so she's like, there are things I want and I'm stuck at home. I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. I don't want you hoarding stuff in your room. We'll create one cabinet for you. I don't really want to see it in my, in my cabinet because I don't need to be tempted by stuff right now that I don't want to eat. Yeah create one cabinet, but you have to buy junk food yourself. I'm not buying it for you. So if you want it, you need to buy it. And that was just the rule in my house. It's like, yeah. if you want to eat something that I really don't, it just, it's just sort of a violation of my, because if you're not a good messenger, if you don't live the messenger, not a good messenger. So, so at the same time, I didn't want to go so far during COVID when it just was difficult. Yeah. So I'm like, you need to buy it if you want it. I love that. And I, one other thing, coping mechanism that I have learned the hard way is go to the grocery store by yourself. Do not take your kids <laughs> yeah. with you. I yeah. am never, ever taking one of my teenagers again. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I, I hope they hear this and I hope they get it in their heads. Not yeah. doing it because it is a fight every single time. It's like, 
first of all, it's one of the only times they get to actually have an outing. And then it's just like a kid in a candy store, literally. And even at healthier stores, they're still junk. (laughs) So even if you're shopping at one of the healthy stores, I'm not going to call them out. There's still lots of sugar. That if it says health food on the label, that's the one you need to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah. what you know it's you you really need to pay attention to what you're eating yeah so so a little bit of leniency but giving some framework and some good options that uh that can please everybody and i think that that's part of why establishing really teaching and training your kids early about why not just lecturing them about what they can and can't do like for my daughter that won't work i mean yeah. from the age of two why why why? I mean, everything was why. You had to give her a why. She drove me insane. She wouldn't do it unless she understood why. So, but then I began to realize, oh, that's actually a sign of intelligence. So I stopped fighting with her and stopped. I mean, I, I always said I was never going to be the parent who said, because I said so, but mm. she could drive me to that. Yeah. But eventually I realized it's a sign of intelligence. She wants to know why. So I started really educating her on what food does for her body. She knows how she feels when she eats a certain way. She knows. So if she chooses to go off that path. I already know because we've been doing it for so long. She's going to come back. So she's got the principles. She already understands it. She knows she's got that foundation already established. And it's part of why it's so important to have non-confrontational just discussions around meals about, you know, what do certain foods do to the chemicals and the hormones in your body? And why do we feel certain ways when we eat certain foods as opposed to lecturing? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, um, we're in the month of October as we're speaking. There are a lot of uh, female awareness issues this month um, from breast cancer awareness to world menopause month. Um, And and I think when you really kind of hone in on these awareness issues or these awareness campaigns, I think at the root of them is food, it's Mm -hmm. wellness, overall wellness, mindset, and physical. And it's also education and being able to share what works for people. And I think engaging in this dialogue, you know, being able to say, hey, remember you had that and you didn't feel good afterwards. So it's not even like you saying, I don't think you should eat that because it's more right. like, well, remember you had that or remember this set you off. Your triggers are something that you need to be in touch with. And we talked a little bit about triggers. Triggers can come in food, but also in just being able to cope with things. And I know in your new book, you talk about triggers. How, how do we manage our own triggers every day. I know you just mentioned like, I don't want your junk food in a place that I can see it because that's a trigger for me. How do we kind of create some barriers around or I guess protective measures for ourselves where we know, okay, this is a trigger and I need to know not to react to it? Well, I think you just touched on one of them and that is be aware of it. So you have to know what they are first. I mean, so many, so as a, as a teenager, I actually had no idea Yes, I developed an eating disorder in part because it was a control issue. Doing drugs wasn't an option for me. After seeing my seeing my uncle, who was a heroin addict, create so much havoc in our lives, my other uncle was murdered in a drug deal gone wrong. That's one of my earliest memories. Um, so, I mean, it was pretty crazy in my house. I'm not kidding when I say it was crazy. So doing drugs for me, it, it was like sort of shock therapy when I was young. Doing drugs wasn't an option, 
but who's going to be mad at you for eating? Who's going to be mad at you for exercising a lot? Nobody's going to get mad at you for that, right? Yeah. So I debate, and it was a control thing. But here's what I didn't know, and we actually didn't really understand this more until more recently, is how eating certain foods can trigger certain moods. Mm. That's actually really important to know. Yeah. So being aware of it, but then also having the information and it's part of why I've spent my life doing what I'm doing. I mean, I started this journey to heal myself. And then when I realized it, I just had to share the information. And just to be clear, my new book, The Relentless Courage of a Scared Child is actually a memoir. It's not a self-help book, but sometimes I think we learn more through stories, through other people's journeys. Um, it was really hard to be that vulnerable, mm. but in really telling people what I struggled with and how I learned. Um, I, I think that some people, it's easier for them to grasp it that way. And that was what really encouraged me to write it, even though it was hard because it was just so personal. Mm -hmm. um, I think people's I, personal stories are so relatable. And yeah. to me, you know, that's to me what always like, it speaks to me more, I feel, than maybe sometimes hearing, I mean, obviously you want to hear the clinical information, but being able to say, look, Tana, I can relate to you. You know, I can't believe you went through what you did, but there's a part of your story that I understand that right. means something to me. And I think that's really, that is brave. Thank you. Um, but that is one of the things is understanding. So when I actually understood, oh, exercise affects me in a positive way. It actually settles my brain down. I feel happier, less depressed, more balanced. Um, when I eat certain foods and I didn't understand this then, now I do. I sort of, in, I knew it intuitively back then, but I didn't really understand what it mm. meant or what to do about it. When I eat a lot of sugar or simple carbs, it triggers something. Not only do I not feel very well, I get some brain fog. It makes me crave really bad food mm. over and over. And, over. And, the, and so for people with an eating disorder, that's a disaster. When I eat other foods, things like protein and healthy fats, and I eat really a lot of plant-based foods, um, it balances those hormones. I didn't know it's actually biological. It's not just psychological. Yeah. It balances those hormones and it sends the signal to your brain that you've eaten, you're full, you're satisfied. When you eat a lot of sugar, it thwarts that signal. So you're constantly hungry, even though you've eaten. Um, and so just knowing that one thing, if you are a person who tends to binge or you're a person who tends to struggle with an eating disorder, um, and there's even triggers for anorexics. So, I mean, it's really interesting when you understand how food affects you, it's just super important. Yeah. And understanding what your other triggers are, start to notice and then keep a list. And then for like, here's one example, only eat in one room in the house, eat in your kitchen. So if you start to eat in your bedroom, then you start to blur these boundaries between sleep and food. Does that make sense? Yeah, and definitely. So sometimes you'll start to get in weird moods and you don't know why. And um, it, it creates certain issues for you. If you're eating in the living room and the, and the bedroom and watching TV at the same time, as opposed to understanding, if I eat in the kitchen and I'm having a certain feeling, let me think about where that feeling is coming from. Yeah. I had a bad day at work. Um, it keeps things more, more clear. I have a question. How do you manage triggers from other people? I mean, we are in a very confined sort of existence right now. And many of us live in homes with other people that have habits, maybe that we don't love, or they say things like that sound <laughs> like, try not to call anybody out. Um, or, or they say things that maybe kind of rub us the wrong way. Or, you know, how do you 
how do you deal with these things that might seem minor, but can provoke a lot of anxiety for people and be triggers? Oh, dear Lord. Well, child abuse and domestic violence are through the roof and they're underreported right now because no one's going to the hospital. Hmm. So they are higher than they've ever been, but they're less reported. And so people are getting away with it. Um, so this is a huge issue for people. So in our house, I know me. So in our house, I know me, I know myself well enough um, to know when I'm being triggered and, and the teenagers, fortunately, my husband is the person who sort of grounds me. Um, the teenagers can trigger me sometimes. Um, I've been doing enough work for a long time that I noticed it right away and I find my own space. Now, finding your own space can be a little tricky. Even in my house, you know, we don't have a small house, but I'm like, wait, there's a lot of people here now. Yeah. And working at home, so our assistants are here. And I'm like, okay, I literally lost it one day and told my husband, I'm like, I have no space. Yeah. A little tiny writing desk and put it in my bedroom near a window. And I'm like, this is my space. If I go in there, you guys need to leave me alone. Right. <laughs> so if I put a door, if I put a sign on the door when I'm working out that says, do not disturb. It means. More benefit, not mine. Right. Don't come in. Give me a half an hour because I know that if I spend a little bit of time praying, meditating, exercising, I'll be fine. It was on cue, by the way, that my husband just walked in talking really loud. So I, I'm not even cutting that because that's just real life happening in our time and, and situation. So, you know, creating boundaries for yourself is important. It's not selfish. Um, maybe conveying it to the people in your life in a way where they just understand it's not about them. It's about what you need. Um, and being communicative because I think people can't read your mind. Um, it's important that we convey what we need in these times. Do you ever feel like, or maybe do you talk to people who just always feel guilty? They always feel guilty for maybe even thinking that, Oh, I shouldn't feel bad or maybe just even thinking like I have, you know, what, who am I, I to say so much I other people in the world that are dealing with issues that are 10 times bigger. Like, I feel like we carry a lot of guilt for even wanting to feel better or to create boundaries. I actually write about that in my book during the time that I was depressed. I felt like so much guilt because I actually had a type of cancer that I knew I wasn't going to die from, even though it was ruining my life. So I felt guilty because I didn't have terminal cancer. I felt guilty because like I've got it better than some people. It's not like I was chained to a radiator when I was a kid. I mean, we do the dumbest things with ourselves. We say the dumbest things to ourselves. And I call that shooting all over yourself. <laughs> I should do this. I should do that. You're shooting all over yourself mm. as opposed to being curious about why you're feeling that way instead of furious. Don't be, that's just beating yourself up the way you would beat someone else up, except we tend to beat ourselves up more. So I think being curious, why am I feeling that way? Yeah. You know, is it true? Just question it. Yeah. And just understanding that right now, we all have a lot of feelings. Maybe, maybe if you focus on gratitude, instead of telling yourself you shouldn't feel a certain way, just focus on the gratitude, you might start to feel that way instead, instead of beating yourself up for not feeling that way. Yeah, I like that. Um, your book... When is it coming out? When can we buy it? Actually, um, it's up for pre-order now. It's called Woo of a Scared Child. It'll be Beautiful. Easy. I am so excited to read your story. Just Thank over you. the years that we've gotten to know each other, I just so highly regard you. And uh, I'm excited to read your story. I think your fearlessness in being able to share what's happened to you 
is remarkable. Um, I don't think that we should go through life just bearing what's happened to us. I recently, and maybe I never shared this with you, but I recently found out that somebody who was bullying me when I was in junior high is now in prison for a life sentence of murder. Oh my gosh. So a bully today is a bully. I, I was bullied. I was actually bullied in high school as well. And I found out one of those people is now a cop. So that was weird. Wow. I was like, oh, hmm. uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. That but, is interesting. Uh, it's a little weird. So um, yeah, no, it's really important, but I appreciate you saying that. It comes out January 5th, but it's up for pre-order now. Yay, and we'll Amazon, post or you can go to tanaamon.com and- Post the link for that. We, we, I think everybody can really reap a good lesson from just even reading somebody else's experience. And if, if we can kind of close out with just one, maybe one thing that you have forgiven yourself for. What do you um, think that is? There's a lot, actually. Um, Maybe the biggest thing. I think I just carried a lot of shame um, because I think a lot of my trauma, not from my early years, but from my you know late teens and early 20s was self-induced, if you will. And so I felt a lot of guilt for not doing it well enough. Just like you said, mm -hmm. guilt for not doing it well enough. Guilt for um, not being more grateful for not doing things the right way. Um, as, and I look at where my life is at now and I'm like, well, who knows if I'd even be where I am now, if I had done it the right way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think what I, I, the big lesson for me was to once again, use it, that pain to purpose and just be able to have grace with myself, forgiveness for myself for those years and go, look, nobody's perfect. And it's also given me empathy for other people. So, and, and it was really hard to write that initially. Writing the book was hard. Um, but after I wrote it, it was great. I had one woman run up to me. I just have to say this really fast. It's, this is part of what encouraged me to write it because I was toying with writing it, but I hadn't mm. written it yet. Um, and I had a publisher interested, but I was just not quite sure how I felt about it. And we were at an event. My husband was speaking on stage. It was a big event. And this woman runs up to me and there's people surrounding him after he speaks, which always happens. Um, so I was waiting for him while he was answering questions. And this woman runs up to me and she says, and she's, she's, um, I forget which country in Africa, but she's uh, maybe Nigeria. I'm not sure. Um, she comes up to me and she says, I was hoping you'd be here. I said, Oh yeah, we're here. My husband's answering questions. She's like, no, you, I was hoping you would be here. She's like, I've been following you for years. I read everything you've written and I follow your life and I follow your Instagram to see what you're doing. And then she starts crying. And she, I pray she was, I pray every day that God will do in my life what he's done in yours. She, she's like, and if you can do it, I can do it. And I realized in that moment, I haven't even told people. Wow. Like I've only told them a couple of big things. I've not really told the icky stuff. Mm. And it was at that moment that I went, I need to be more honest. Cause if, if even, even if I get criticized, if there's two or three people that change their life and have that reaction, it's worth it. I love that so much. Tana. Thank you for your time, for your heart, for your wisdom and your knowledge. The Relentless Courage of a Scared Child, How Persistence, Grit, and Faith Created a Reluctant Healer. Bestseller of 2021. Thank you. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I know you have a lot of choices out there of what to listen to, what to watch. So it means a lot to me that you're here with me. And hey, if you love this content, 
Would you hit the subscribe button? I want you around. I don't want you to just show up for one episode and leave. I want you here, part of the conversation, a seat at this table. And while you're at it, would you share this with your friends and family? And if you take a screenshot and share it on your social media with a hashtag RFYBL for recipes for your best life, I'll make sure to personally give you a shout out and you may just be featured right here on the show. So until next time, here's to living deliciously and being the chef of your best life.